I'm just trying to beat previous versions of myself. Like if I can beat her, I'm improving. And that's the most like momentum building, exciting thing I can experience. So if I think of past versions of Michelle, of like the Rio Olympic cycle version of Michelle and the Tokyo version of Michelle, like I want to be better than her. Welcome to the other three years, a show for anyone who has an Olympic sized dream they want to turn into a reality. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Other Three Years podcast. This is a super fun episode. I have my national team teammate, Michelle Sexer, on the show. So Michelle's been over 10-time national team member. She was the 2022 U.S. National Team Athlete of the Year. She's a 2021 Tokyo Olympian. The past two years, she has come in second in the lightweight double at the World Championships. And she's had just like a ridiculous fall racing. She won the head of the Charles. She just won the fall speed order. Like she is a superstar. And I've been really fortunate, um, especially over the past year, to get to train with her a lot. And I feel like we have some similar like ways to look at training and um she's just a grind like she grinds it out and she's always showing up and always gives her best effort and I just really appreciate those things about her she's a great person to kind of train alongside for a number of reasons but like she really pushes me to be my best which I really appreciate so our conversation was super fun like we didn't really talk that much nitty and gritty rowing more sort of how her outlook has changed kind of through each Olympic cycle and what's made this cycle different and how she has just sort of found an appreciation for the sport and for getting to chase these crazy dreams and what it's like to be trying to be the best in the world and trying to go faster than anyone's ever gone, you know, in her respective boat classes. I'm really happy for her that she can can train and can race and everything with this just wanting to be the best and doing it from a place of joy and not a place of stress and because I think that everyone really deserves that and I'm really happy to get to like be alongside the ride and sort of play a role in each other's stories I think it's been really fun so I hope that everyone really enjoys it but before we get into that, just wanted to share a little bit of an update on what's going on right now with my training. So last week was Thanksgiving and right after the holiday, I started the drive to Georgia to Gainesville where I'm going to be spending a couple of weeks uh, training with my Orion team, some of my Orion teammates. Took sort of the scenic route to get here, went through uh, Hilton Head and Savannah, which was not really on the way, but was a really fun way to spend like a couple of days before a pretty intense training block. So that was really fun. It was really beautiful in Hilton Head and really fun in Savannah. Super like cute, awesome city. So really fun and definitely feeling like I'm ready to attack the training. Like I had some good family time, some good fun time and really just like ready to go into the training. We've had a few days here in Gainesville so far. And every time we go on a training trip, it takes a little bit of time to fall into a new rhythm and figure everything out. But we started with a bang and it's definitely been actually a little chilly, <laughs> like pretty cold 20s and 30s, but it's supposed to heat up later this week and stay a little bit warmer. So super excited to be here. They're actually building a new boathouse. It's a 
um, where they hosted the 1996 Olympics when they were in Atlanta. So they're building a new boathouse, which is supposed to be done in the next couple of months. And it's beautiful. Like, well, the outside is beautiful and it's huge. So that's really exciting right now. They're kind of operating out of little temporary buildings outside, which is also totally fine and really grateful that they've welcomed us into their community here. And we're staying at an Airbnb, like a mile down the road. So it couldn't be more convenient. There's plenty of space. It's it's all been really good so far. Yeah. And just happy to be here. Happy to be here with some of my teammates, missing my other teammates that are back home, but excited to really like hit these few weeks of training. And it's really fun to, you know, have family time and have holiday time and all that stuff. And I'm actually really excited to just be like a head down training right now and get to just focus on training. These are the moments that are pretty important in getting to the end goals. So now it is time for my conversation with Michelle. And I just hope that you all really like it and learn something and just get to soak in some of her greatness like I am just constantly trying to do. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited, Christy, that we get to sit down and talk about all things rowing today that has happened in the other three years of this wild journey. I know. So for background for listeners, Michelle and I have spent a lot of time together, but not actually rowing in the same boats because she's a lightweight and I'm not a lightweight. (laughs) But I feel like that's really cool because we're not like directly competing. And I feel like it's been a way for us to like build each other up and like push against each other. I don't know. At least that's the way I see it. I think it's probably my favorite part about sometimes being a lightweight in in an open weight training center, open weight training group is that there's all these people that I get to train with and they push me to try and go faster or keep up with them, but there's not the quite the same, I have to beat you so that I can like take the seat in the boat. And it just makes for a pretty fun dynamic to have so many fast people that I'm just like trying as hard as I can to keep up with. And it like removes kind of that deeper level of uh, like vote them off the island. <laughs> and I feel like that's been the fun thing about Yossi's plan to get everyone together and we all compete on like GMSs and stuff. So it's, yeah, I want to have the highest GMS, but I also can root for other boats because it's not like they're taking my seat or whatever. Yeah, it is. I love those moments, like you said, when he brings everyone together. So when all the different boat classes, like your women's double, our lightweight double, when we were doing pieces with the men's single, it's just like, everyone together is just trying to go as fast as they can. And it's, it removes that piece of, I have to beat them so that I can be the chosen one. It's like, we can all go fast together. <laughs> and it's, it's yeah. pretty fun. Like I want to go fast when you're also going fast. Yeah. We had some good times trying to do that. <laughs> we did have some good times. We had have some good, we can, which we can talk about, but I, I kind of wanted to start because you've been through a few cycles and I feel like at least I've been very impressed with you in this cycle. I, from afar, like going after what you're going to go after and knowing what you want to do to improve and what your goals are and then sort of taking action steps to make those things happen. I don't know if that's like an accurate 
portrayal. Absolutely. And I think especially for me, that just that change came more after Tokyo, where going into Tokyo, I was a little bit on the fence of do I retire or keep going in the fall? Um, And I told myself, you know, I'm not making that decision until we are done racing the final of the Tokyo Olympics. And I knew the second we crossed the finish line at the final, I was not done because I was just like, it was an incredible race. I loved the whole experience and the lead up. And obviously that, you know, you've seen the race that it was so close. We were one second off of the gold medal. It was such a tight margin um, that I really just had this unfinished business that I wanted to try again for. But the, the bigger piece I think was knowing that if I, came back for another, for the other three years, normally the the four years, but the other three years, it was going to be with purpose, with really great purpose and intention that, you know, there are other things in life that I am excited to move towards after I'm done rowing. And if I'm going to keep those on the back burner a bit longer, it's because I have like some pretty cool things I want to experience and try and achieve and that I'm not just kind of floating through this phase because I, I don't know what to do next or I'm not sure how to leave, lead a life without rowing. And so I think maybe that's contributed to some of the success so far this cycle is that it's it's done with intent and purpose and that I'm, I'm, I know what I really, really want to get out of the next, uh, the three years of this Olympic cycle. Do you feel like that was a change from the previous like training years you'd had? In some ways, yes. I mean, each, like going into the Rio Olympic cycle, you know, the goal was to make the Olympic team. And that was, it was a a challenging cycle. I had, let's see, so this, you know, so it started in 2013. I had previously made the non-Olympic lightweight women's quad in 2012 and then geared up to start my first full Olympic cycle targeting the Rio Olympics. And the first year of the cycle, I made the lightweight women's single which was really exciting. It's a fun boat. I think just learning kind of that responsibility and accountability. The second year of the cycle, um, I made the lightweight women's double, which is the only Olympic boat class for the first time. So that was another good step. I loved being in that boat class for the first time, loved the double. 2015 made the double again, and we improved on our placement at world championships that year. So it felt like this really nice step trajectory of you know, things were going well. I was seeing progress each year. And then going into the Rio Olympic year, things were going well. I had the same partner the past two years, but um, struggled a little bit with injury and overtraining through the selection kind of training block and ended up very overtrained and with a broken rib as we approached Olympic trials. And that was really hard to have that um yeah, what felt like a great Olympic cycle. And, you know, you do so much right in the three years that aren't the Olympic year and you see the progress and it it felt like I was on the right track. And I was new, obviously, I'd never really done it before. And it felt like a lot of failure to kind of cope with in that Rio year. So deciding then even to try again for the Tokyo Olympics was took some time. Like, do I want to try this again? And so to get back to your question, I think there there was little less intent, a little less purpose of like, I'm going at this to get on the podium at the Olympics and a little bit more of just, I want to be the best in the country and I want to win Olympic trials and see if I can represent the country at, you know, the Olympic Games. And so when I didn't make the team for the Rio Olympics that fall, I went to the Canadian Henley, the coveted Canadian Henley, and went there to race just to kind of get back in touch for me with the joy of racing. 
and not so much of the selection and the seat racing and things that I'd really experienced that summer. And I had so much fun. I did the champ single. I was excited to come away with the win and it did sort of ignite that intent and that fire to strive to be the best again. That fall, I went to the fall speed order in Princeton, back when it was the good version where you got to do an ERG test on Saturday and a 5K time trial on Sunday. I had a great ERG test. I broke the world record for the lightweight women's 6K at the time and had a good rip in the single. So it was a good, it was a good time. And for me, that was a good stepping stone of, yes, this is what I wanna do. I wanna try again for another Olympic cycle. I wanna try and make the team for Tokyo. But it was, it was still a bit different. It was pretty uncharted territory. There wasn't the structure we have now in this Olympic cycle with Yozy at the helm and being a camp boat. And it certainly presented some challenges. And I felt a little more like I was seeking revenge after failing to make the Rio Olympic team. And some of the motivation, the drive was just as strong. The motivation was so fierce. But maybe it stemmed from a little bit more of um, a negative well than what I'd say feels like in this, in this Olympic cycle post-Tokyo very much feels like it's springing from a well of joy. It sounds silly, but loving the sport, loving the people, loving just seeing myself improve, loving lining up for new challenges and new races and having a good performance. So that was kind of, yeah, the lead up to Tokyo felt more like I was trying to, I was I was mad at myself for failing maybe and just wanted to like prove something. It It, it was, it was tough. Yeah, so each cycle certainly has been a little bit a little bit different. Well, I feel like too it's easier to come from that place of joy and whatever with a bit of perspective. And I don't think perspective can be faked. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to go through the hardships and the failures and all of that stuff to be able to see it in that way, right? Yeah, you're totally right. Because no one comes at it trying to make their first Olympic team thinking like, I'm training from a place of joy, right? Like we're out for blood. You're out for blood. You're trying to do the hardest thing there is in our sport at the highest level possible against the best in the world on a very public stage. Like it doesn't, it can't naturally be just like, flowery and rainbows and I don't know that you and I are either you nor I have ever trained from place of flowers and rainbows but I think that it can come from now like an appreciation for it maybe is a better word like how cool is it that I am trying to win an Olympic gold medal yeah and you know you're totally right because I in Tokyo we had the chance after the final to have a little after party with all the athletes that had raced the lightweight double at the Olympics. And um, for those who don't know, so the world record was broken um, multiple times throughout the last Olympic cycle in my boat class, the lightweight double. It was broken. The World Cup that year was broken again at the Olympic Games in the semifinal. And it, it was fun to party with the girls afterwards to finally like lay down our armor, like set down our swords and just hang out and talk to each other as just humans as you know girls just having a good time talking about their sport and we all kind of made this joking pact about like we're not going sub 640 so the world record at the time was 641 and a half I think like, guys we have to stop this is getting insane like no more please but it definitely gave me this perspective of like what this goal really is is just trying to reach this the peak like the pinnacle speed of what our boat class can go and it's so much more of like a beautiful thing to try and do of literally like how fast can we make these boats go and how well can we race our strategy and how do the top athletes in our sport 
get to where they are? Like, what do you have to do to be able to go 640 in a lightweight double? And it does like the only thing, like it gives perspective then to now coming back to like our winter training months and our long distance and our technique and our drills that now, like, do you feel the same? Like you have this perspective of like, it's less about maybe trying to prove something or this and that, and really understanding like how the best in our sports get there. And that's why we do all these things. And that's why we need to win these races and just perform when we can. I think that obviously I have my moments of being pissed or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) but like, it's so funny. The literally the other day, like the day before Thanksgiving, I was packing up to leave and sort of complaining about something. And Kat goes, I think it's important to remember everyone wants you to win a gold medal at the Olympics. I and I was like, like, (laughs) Christy, I can't think of a better moment right now that would send chills down my spine than picturing you on that top step at the podium. All of us. All of us. Anyway, like I, it would like literally, and maybe this is just how much I care about you as a teammate. It would feel just as good. Even watching you and Sophia in Belgrade, I like my heart exploded and I was like teared up just like seeing you guys. Oh my gosh, it's the same thing. But like you fought off the like the fourth place, but like you guys fought tooth and nail in that sprint, and it was like, oh my gosh. And I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone does want. Yeah, it is. Um, but I just think that that's a good, like how lucky are we that we get to be doing this? And I think that comes from the perspective of like, yeah, coming from gratitude instead of being pissed off. And yeah, sometimes I get pissed off and I think, oh, why didn't they think I could do this? Or, you know, I don't know. Of course we all have those things, but so much more, it's like, how cool is it that we're trying to go faster than anyone has ever gone? Like, cool. that's, and it just, it's that's not even weird cool. for me to hear you say that because I'm like, yeah, like, of, of course we are. What else would we be trying to do? <laughs> what else are you doing right now? But I think that like, I would be remiss to say, or not to say that that comes from like racing at the Olympics or, you know, I think it's way easy for us to say that. I accomplished this goal I had. Now I have a new goal. Like it's, and it has been, it's, and you're right. It's so different this cycle because I f- even feel I'm okay. I'm a very competitive person and there are a lot of people I want to beat and I love being the best and winning. I will say that, you know, this about <laughs> me, I can be a little intense, but also like this fall when I'm out there training, it's not because I'm trying to beat teammate a or teammate B it's because this is the split on a speed chart that the world record holder would have gone. Like if we're taking Imogen Grant's world record at 723 in the lightweight single, for me training in this zone, I need to be going this split. And I am like, I'm competing against that split because I want to break her world record. Not necessarily as personal as I need to like prove, you know, I need to like, obviously I'm competitive and I want to win the pieces, but there's like a deeper level of where I'm trying to go. And for me, shifting that focus towards the absolute peak of the mountain and not the small kind of petty moments that you can get, like, stumble along on the hike to the top, like, that's been a big shift for me that, like, I'm not trying to beat you. I'm not even racing you. Like, I'm racing the standard that's been set by any human in our boat class in the history of the world. 
But you are also like a racer. And I feel like that's the other thing of I'm racing because I'm practicing racing. So I'm not going to get like overjoyed if I beat somebody in a Saturday morning workout, even though, yeah, I was trying to beat you. Right? Like, but. But you're staring at the top of the mountain. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm trying to beat you. Because I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z, like what you're saying. I'm trying to set this world record. I'm trying to, you know, go this fast so that I can make this boat and do this and blah, blah, blah. But it's so much less like, yeah. Do you ever look back at, or like people talk like, I'm just trying to beat previous versions of myself. Like if I can beat her, I'm improving. And that's the most like momentum building, exciting thing I can experience. So if I think of past versions of Michelle, of like the Rio Olympic cycle version of Michelle and the Tokyo version of Michelle, like I want to be better than her. I think about that girl. I think about what she was good at. I think about what she wasn't good at. I think about mistakes she made that scrubbed speed that prevented her, you know, that was why she wasn't on the top of the Olympic podium. And I want to be better than that girl more than anyone else in the world I want to be better than. And that I think is what I hope that with that perspective is like when it's time to hang up the oars, I can walk away from the sport with a little bit more peace, knowing that I kept beating that person and not whoever's next to me at whatever boat club that's trying to take me down in some race that's not relevant. (laughs) Well, and I say you're getting the most out of yourself. Yeah. And that's something I feel like I've tried to like emulate that you're doing. Because, like, you're like, this is going to be the best situation for me. Like, these are the factors that I need, and so I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it does, like, do you, I mean, you've been as we, so Christy, like, you and I were trials boat athletes where we had a little bit more accountability and also control of our fates and how we prepared to go race world championship trials or Olympic trials. And now we're camp boats. So we're ultimately working within the system. Like, does it feel different to you in terms of achieving this goal and like grabbing it by the horns and like forging your path, knowing that we need to function like within a camp or have you liked, does your goal feel different to you, I guess, as a camp boat and a trials boat, just in terms of kind of what you can like? I think that as an athlete, I am very like, What can I do today that's going to set me up for the small goal, that's going to set me up for the medium goal, that's going to set me up for the large goal? And I think that if I stop being sort of process-minded like that, I, one, get a little bit existential, which is not good. But I also think that sometimes people can get a little too wrapped up in, like, the big goal And forgotten all the small things that got them there. And I'm just like, yeah, I have talent, I guess. I hate that you're putting that in air quotes, Christy. You are (laughs) amazing. But okay, go on. (laughs) But I guess I'm saying like in the sport, like rowing, it takes way more work. Yeah. Like we have to put in the work. So for me, the difference between like trials and camp You still have to make the boat go fast. You still have to be a person that other people can be around. You still have to be a coachable athlete. You know, 
I don't think we exist in a vacuum. But I feel like also it's probably been a bigger change for you because now you train at like a training center and I still don't really do that. Right. So it feels maybe more normal to you until the month of July or or yeah, the timing of last year (laughs) or like in two weeks. (laughs) But how has that been different for you? It. It's been a big change this cycle. I'd say the overarching theme is I love it a lot more than I expected. So after the first year of the cycle where we we raced world championships in Rochitze, Molly and I were in the lightweight double. We rode for Casey. We did our thing like we always do, um, kind of bootstrapping our goal and figuring out which methods are best for us to get ready. Moving towards the camp system after that, I was very nervous. And looking back, I think that nervousness came from a place of insecurity because it's, yeah, it's scary. You're just, you're evaluated at a completely different level. And in my other nine years on the national team, I was a trials boat athlete and it was, and it was a little hard, you know, Molly and I were our incredible doubles partner, like partners together. And so suddenly you're breaking that kind of bond you're you're sort of divorcing from that marriage and just putting yourself back out in this this blank slate of evaluation what helped me in that situation was just to go really inward and it's like okay it's not okay how do molly and i build this what's our plan what are we gonna do and just be like okay here are things i need to do i need to pr on my 6k i want to pr on my 2k i need i want to win the single speed order like all you talk about these little goals, like all the checkpoints between now and the final seat race for world championships, I need to perform at my absolute best. And to me, that means winning them and having the best result of any lightweight in the country. So when I shifted my focus to that, it got a lot less scary. And the fear of the camp boat is that it's out of your control a little bit. And those are things I can control. So that kind of like regrounded me a little bit. And then there's the positive part, which is there's a lot of decisions, whether I fully agree with them or not. They're made for me, and for me, that was like a good like weight off my shoulders of the dates where I'm doing this training block and this style of base preparation, you know, is decided, and when we start to transition towards threshold work is decided, you know, all these things, when I go south to train, when we spend time on the ergs, which World Cups we're going to, just giving that over to our high-performance director for me, after like years of, like I said, bootstrapping this and trying to plan my own logistics and like, oh, should we go south? Should I stay? Should I go to Boston? Like, I'm so happy to not be in like the decision paralysis place. And like I said, it's not, it's not because everything in the camp system is flawless and it's perfectly customized for my needs. But for me, offloading those decision points, it's just like, okay, I didn't write the rules, but these are the rules of the game. So I just need to go show up and win it. And I, I kind of like that approach. So... Yeah, I totally agree. And I also feel like personally when Yossi was hired and I guess I was pretty much maybe the only one in this circumstance. Well, you guys were too, but like he literally coached a boat that beat me at the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. So it seemed like a no brainer to me that I listened to him. Absolutely. He's and won then gold I like medals. get on. Yeah. He's won a gold medal in the lightweight double like three times at the Olympics. Like no other coach has done that for the lightweight double. Absolutely. I want this man to coach me. Like Jesus take the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I was just sort of like, yeah, I'll listen to you. And maybe I'll ask questions because things are different or whatever. But it seems like a person I should be listening to. <laughs> it, that did make it pretty easy. And 
he also asks us for, for feedback. Like, do you feel that way? It's kind of mm-hmm. like, how are you responding to this? How are you feeling? Like, I appreciate that check-in. So it's not like we're like imprisoned to this structure. There's definitely a good dialogue, at least between, yeah, like you, our boats, uh, your double, my double of him. So that definitely helps. But it's been, it's been a really fun and different cycle, which I didn't fully expect, especially at my age to come back for a, like a third try at the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about like being quote unquote older, which is so silly because women literally prime in their thirties for in endurance sports. Thank you. And Christy, so I have to it's crazy. This, I have to bring up this moment. So I, and I, and I agree with you because there were, especially coming back, they kind of mid Tokyo and post Tokyo Olympics there, my knee jerk reaction was almost this like insecurity of like, have I been at this too long? to try again. And, you know, people that aren't rowers always ask questions. Well, like, what about family? You know, like just things that not rowers do with their lives. And, you know, I'd like you and you and I both, like we do work. We have a lot of outside non-rowing friends. That's great. But I, I, as I aged throughout my rowing career was, yeah, starting to feel a little insecure sometimes. And as we get younger girls, like this year at Princeton's the first year that there's a girl in the group who is young, who is the same age as my rowing career. And that is, you know, there are parts of me that even I'd say years ago, younger versions of me that was really insecure about being one of the older athletes in the group. And post-Tokyo, I don't feel that way anymore. And so much, I'll have to tell people the story. So Christy and I were at this race um, after World Championships, the 1886 Tuxedo Regatta. And it was the first time in a while for me that I had done a race that was just fun, right? Like it was... Like you had a fun time, right? We just, it was the first time that I'd raced like a quote unquote fun race in a really long time that wasn't for a selection. It wasn't for the Olympics. It wasn't my seat race. And I had a great time there. I think you had a great time. Like it was, obviously we all wanted to win because there was like six, money. yeah, a lot of money on the line for winning. And um, we didn't, but I had so much fun. But I really, I truly felt this moment. So you and I were sitting at the dinner table at this very fancy black tie banquet dinner and I just I remember just bursting out I was just like (laughs) Christy do you ever just feel like we're really just in our prime right now and you agreed and I was dead serious I was almost just overcome with this excitement of I haven't always felt that way in my rowing career like I said I've been kind of insecure about being one of the older athletes and finally really feeling like I I feel like I've actually finally come into my own and I finally come into my prime and in a lot, a lot of different ways. So not just physiologically, which has been incredible this cycle to kind of get back to the top end speed I've seen on my 2k and on my 6k, I had a PR, but even there's this moment where even like psychologically or mentally, emotionally, the wisdom people talk about having as you age has finally, (laughs) has finally taken hold. But like you and I talked about perspective and there are moments that only through years of having done this, can I just have a better outlook and understand like, this is not the hill to die on. Or I lost that piece against someone I probably absolutely should have beaten. And that's, that's okay. Like, it's not the big picture. It's not the end goal. And I need to just let go of this moment and move forward. And being able to train and chase this big dream with that wisdom and perspective feels good. 
it feels empowering. And I did do a lot of racing this fall and I was excited to hit some pretty exciting milestones. And it really does, maybe it sounds like egotistical to say, but I feel myself coming into my prime. (laughs) And I didn't expect that after all these years, I would feel that way in the final year of a very, very long rowing career. But that's like amazing. Like some of the girls are trying to make like, old jokes or whatever and I'm just like no way I'm in my prime like try me and you know, <laughs> yeah. there are other girls here at the center it's like Bregman like re like we have girls that are in their 30s and similarly you know Bregman just won speed order so you do see like you said women peaking really hitting that peak fitness sometimes in their 30s is a completely normal thing and in our sport like you and I rode doubles how technical and hard it is to be really skillful in these small boats it takes so many years to develop that and I will also say like a fun fun little story well that I really just admired about you obviously at the pre-olympic year world championships the semifinal is a really big deal because if you make the final in every boat except the eight like you qualify and you guys had a crazy race in the semi which was stressful but like obviously did qualify and then you were like I feel like like you were talking to me like I feel like the stress is gone Mm. and I can just race and enjoy what this is and then somebody else was talking to me they were like the lightweights are gonna have like a tough race tomorrow or whatever and I was like the lightweights are gonna crush it (laughs) which Honestly, like, I feel like if you had been like, oh my God, we had this really tough race in the semi, I don't really know, like, blah, 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 maybe wouldn't have had as great a race in the final. But instead, you had that perspective and the years of other racing experience and being in your prime and all this stuff to be like, what a cool experience that I get to go race in the world championship final. Yeah. And And then you crushed it. And it is. And that's such a, I think the more an athlete can race from a po- a place of feeling free to go out and really like the competitors are there, like pushing you towards this higher level. And you, you know, maybe you see that in some younger athletes that don't have the pressure of, oh, you have all these results and we expect you to do really well. And you see sometimes newcomers come in and they'll race like almost recklessly, but in a beautiful way because they're sort of untethered and free to just really just open the throttle and see what they're capable of with no regard for maybe, maybe it goes well, maybe it doesn't, maybe they fly and die. It doesn't matter. Um, that I really wanted to try and kind of get back to that. So even after all these years, and I'm sure there might be a lot of people in the rowing world that if I show up to race, they expect me to do a certain way, right? They expect a certain result. And that can feel like a lot of pressure because I've done well in the past few years, but I've also had a lot of years where I didn't do well. And it takes a ton of work to perform well on race day. And so it is always hard living up to the expectation. And the more you perform well, the heavier the pressure gets to keep performing that way. So I really wanted to try and get back to what does it feel like to race free, to race feeling very freely of pressures of external things, and to come back almost as a newcomer with no results, who's going to just swing for the stars and see like how many old dog champions they can take down and almost just like somehow keeping an underdog mentality, even though we've been at this for like many years with many great results. That's amazing. Well, I feel like I've taken up a lot of your time, but I just have to say 
I feel very lucky that I get to be your teammate and get to train with you because you're inspirational and it's awesome to like be a tiny part of all of your success. But honestly, just the like day to day, you have helped me a lot. And I know sometimes it seems like I'm just always ready to get on the erg and ready to do the pieces, but I'm not. <laughs> you fit and- in so well. <laughs> I no, I actually I do want to talk that about you're going to be there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do want to talk about that because that there has been a lot that's been different for me this Olympic cycle than the previous ones, and it really did start. Christy, I think our Colorado our Colorado Springs experience. Like, let's talk about that journey we went on. <laughs> so it was a journey. I lived many lives. In Colorado. So we got there, right? It was 21 days with no rest days and no afternoons off. And it was a lot of erging. A lot a lot more erging than I've done in years, I think. And I do and have in the past, I do get really, I can take things a little too seriously sometimes or get really bogged down with needing to like really hit my splits and really make sure every workout is super dialed in. But what was huge for me, we didn't really know each other that well before Colorado. Obviously we went to the Olympics together. We pieced each other. You and obviously Jevy were in the double and I was in the double with Molly, but I don't feel like I really knew you that well before Colorado. Other than you were super cool. And I, my saving grace in Colorado was really just like latching myself on to you and Savannah Breha. Like you guys were just having a good time, like bringing just like great vibes every day to the ergs. And it was really eye-opening for me to be around that as opposed to years I've trained, like in previous iterations of the Princeton Training Center where things were pretty aggressive and borderline toxic or boat clubs where there was always some kind of like malicious hierarchy or something. And you and Savannah were just stoked to be there. You guys never complained about the hard work or anything. You just strapped in, you started your warm up, and you, you just always got it done. And then you would like run and go get ice cream. And I hadn't been exposed to someone that was like as accomplished as you and as fast as you and as good as you that could still bring so much just like levity and fun and it never felt like tense or like negative and I was just like really grateful to train with you guys and like be around that and I think that's actually what set me up really well for a good like kind of getting the season rolling once we left Colorado also I would not have survived that camp without you guys like right we had some hard moments there in terms of just the mundanity of strapping into an erg twice a day for three hours, four hours or something. Yeah, it was definitely a hard camp. But sometimes I like love the really hard stuff because I'm like, no one else is doing this. Yeah. (laughs) What was, I mean, what was your favorite? Okay, what's like the hardest thing? We trained a lot together this summer. So we did the Colorado Springs camp. We went to Sarasota. We did some singles work. And then you and I trained together throughout the summer. You were in the open double, last night double. What do you think was the hardest or like top three things come to mind? Hardest things you've done that you're like, I love doing the hard stuff. <sighs> There's there are a lot. Um, I'd say, well, one really funny day. I don't know if this is really that funny, but the first time we did the like what was supposed to be a bungee row, 
but instead we just did one at a time rowing. And it took forever. Yeah, that was bad. That day, I just feel like tested every partnership, every like us versus you guys. Like we were just all like over it. I think there was some yelling, double to double yelling. A hundred (laughs) percent. I was going to say though, like something I really appreciate about you is like, I can be intense on the water and you can be intense on the water, but I've never thought that you like took something personally or that you meant something personally. Like, it's just like, nope, she's taking this seriously. And I probably did something that pissed her off. She sometimes does things that piss me off. Like, and we could just be adults and kind of have it out or whatever. Yeah. But it's not personal. No, it never is. I love that. Because that's rare, right? Especially at this level, everyone's hyper-competitive. Everyone wants the last seat in the boat. It's hard. That's a pretty rare thing to cultivate. And I don't think younger versions of myself maybe would have done that so well where we can... Yeah, I remember there was one day we were spinning at the top of Mercer. I didn't go over the far lane. You called me out on it. It was <laughs> I fully warranted. I was in the wrong. But then it's like we were totally fine. Like our friendship was fine. We had a great practice the next time. And that's – I'm really grateful for you because that's not that way with a lot of teammates. Or it's easy for it to not be that way when everyone's stressed and trying to win world championships and do all these hard things. Yeah. But I also think that we all, like, as collective two doubles, we're like, we can all make each other better. So we want this to be a productive environment and, like, be called out on when we're pissing other people off. Yeah. And it it was because it – I wanted to train against you guys so badly. Like, it's pretty rare to have – both doubles on the camp system, same training program, same location, really just using each other to get faster. And I really did want to like protect the vibe, <laughs> make sure everyone was good, you know, but everyone's also getting what they needed. And you guys pushed us so much. Like if we got to start up a little bit or we could jump out on you in the middle of a piece, but I knew that you and Sophia had so much power for the sprint. So we had to be like pretty clever about like, how we would pace if we were going to try and have a good piece against you. And it, we wouldn't have won that medal without you guys. Like it, it was really helpful to have you there. And I think it was, Yosie was really keen on, there were days where we needed each other to do side by side work. And then there were days without saying much, he would just tell us that he was going to take one of our boats <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> okay, I'll go with heavyweight double and lightweights. You start towards the top. And it was like, we all kind of knew why he was doing it. People might be tired or sassy or whatever is going on, but I'm really grateful to have a director that can kind of like read the room and cause there is too much side by side. There's definitely too much like lightweights trying to take down open weights cause that's fun and exciting and open weights getting pissed off because no one wants to get beat by a lightweight. Like there's definitely too much of a, too much of a good thing. And it's, it's a hard thing to manage, I think. Oh, I totally agree. But to go back to your original point, we had some very hard days. Like, just workout-wise. I'm trying to think of something else. But that one day, I definitely... It really sticks out in my brain. I just remember the yelling. Um, And (laughs) I... The two hard ones that come to mind for me are... We did 
you guys were testing out shells, flippy sizes, and the workout was oh my four, God, by 15, day, yes. yeah, four by 1500. Um, we were in the middle of the heat wave. It was somewhere like 105 degree heat index. Because of the triathlon, we had to row at like 1030. And I remember Mary saying that she might not be able to finish the workout. I remember like blacking out at one point just from the heat. <laughs> and I remember like seeing Sophia when we finally did survive all the pieces and like docked in that she was just pale as a ghost and like not okay. That was a fun one though. And that's like, thank God we had each other. Another hard one that comes to mind is um, we're in Urba, we're in Italy right before the world championships. And we did, I think Yosi calls them lactate clearance workouts where the goal, so it's pretty much a 2K, a broken 2K with a short 100 meter rest. The goal is to just produce as much lactate as you can and just learn to clear it. And so personally, that was a hard one because I set, I made it manageable by just telling myself that like the highest score wins and like the more lactate I can produce on this 2K, the better I'll clear it and the more ready I'll be. So I just absolutely buried myself. But yeah, we had some hard stuff together. So I also think those both those days, Sophia was like, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so grateful for you for coming on and taking so much time. I'm so nice. I and can't I can't wait, wait to, to train, train with you again. So I know soon. it's coming soon. And I hope the world is ready for us. <laughs> I don't think they are. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that everyone really enjoyed my conversation with Michelle. I'm really grateful that she came on and I'm just, yeah, I'm really grateful that she is my teammate. <laughs> so before I'm to end the show this week, I'm just going to share a quote that one of our coaches at Orion, Stacy, shared this morning in our group chat. So she said, a dream does not become reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work. And that's from Colin Powell. So thanks, Stacy, And thanks, Colin. And I hope that you all have a great week. See you next time. I'd love to hear from you. So send us a topic suggestion, or if you'd like to submit a question for our Ask Christy Anything segment, head to our website, theother3years.com.